the Carl B. Phillips Show. Hosted by me, Carl B. Phillips, Uncle Carl. The Carl B. Phillips Show. Get ready for another great conversation on the Carl B. Phillips Show. Welcome to the Carl B. Phillips Show. I am Carl B. Phillips, Uncle Carl. Today's guest is a Detroit native. He's a father, a mentor, a preacher, and the pastor of Peace and Goodwill Baptist Church. Please help me welcome Pastor Mark C. Holloway. God bless you, Pastor. How are you this evening? I am great, man of God. How are you? I'm doing awesome. Now, as I warned you, I'm, I'm going to start off with a random question. Do, well, you prefer, do you prefer colas or fruit-flavored soda pop? Well, I am not a soda or pop drinker. Okay. However, when I was... My favorite drink was Diet Coke. Diet Coke? Okay. So yes. what's, your, what's your favorite drink nowadays? My favorite drink would be lemonade. lemonade. I love a good tart lemonade. Okay. Do you like the flavors in the lemonade or just straight lemonade? My preference is a straight lemonade, but every now and then you can go somewhere where they fan it's fancy, like raspberry, mango, or watermelon. Love all of those. So recently I saw something on Instagram on your Instagram page, which I was okay. you were talking about roller coasters. <laughs> <laughs> I love roller coasters. And I should do air quote love roller coasters. Okay. What's some of your favorite roller coasters that you've ridden? So um, in my heyday, my roller coaster life, uh, time has progressed. I'm not even sure if I could handle riding a roller coaster now. I just know I love them, but the clock has really fast forwarded pretty fast. But my all-time favorite roller coaster is the Millennium Force at Cedar Point. That is my favorite roller coaster. My I've ridden it several times. Secondly is the Magnum XL 2000. I've ridden that more times than I can count. Uh, thirdly would be uh, the Top Thrill Dragster. Uh, I absolutely love that ride. And those are the big mega coasters. And then when you go to the smaller ones that I started with, my favorite would be the uh, Gemini, uh, the Blue Streak, and then uh, the Corkscrew. Those are the older ones. All mm. of those are at Cedar Point, and I've ridden all of the old roller coasters. So <laughs> when I hit 50, my midlife crisis, I wanted to ride the top five fastest roller coasters in the country. Okay. So the Millennium Forest, the Top Thrill Dragster. There was one in um, California. It was called a Superman Ride. Then wow. I went to New Jersey and there was a ride that's called King the King Dove, something like that. Like the top three old jacks are just faster and taller. And wow. there was one in Virginia that I went to. But this year I had a chance to, to ride the world's fastest roller coaster in Dubai. It's 150 miles an hour outside. I was wow. in heaven. <laughs> yeah. It gave me such a rush to be on that roller coaster at 150 miles per hour. Like, yes. So we do wow, have some that sounds <laughs> So even wow. in my 60s, I'm, I'm, I'm still riding. So you're still younger than me, so you can still go ride. Well, I am <laughs> definitely uh, planning to go to Cedar Point uh, next summer, and I simply cannot wait 
I don't know what that means, but I'm going to give it my best shot. So in case I only write one, I'm starting with the millennial uh, force. I'm starting with that one. So if have I you, only can get one, that will be the one I start with. Have you did King's Island? I did. Does King's Island still exist? Yeah. To me, the I best roller coaster is the beast at King's Island. That is my No, I've written I've written the beast. That is my all-time favorite. The the beast is just that a beast. I am not a lover. I love the look of wooden roller coasters, but they beat you up pretty bad. Uh I do love the beast. When I rode the beast, that was before the Millennium and the Magnum. Mm -hmm. So when I rode the beast, that was like the fastest, tallest, and long. Yeah, five I think minutes. it's like one of still one of the longest roller coasters. So yeah. that one is in a class of its own. Yeah, I love but I've it. ridden it. So what do your kids think about you riding roller coasters? Well, my son rides roller coasters. However, Magnum is the limit. If it goes higher than the Magnum or faster than the Magnum, he's not going to ride it. My daughter has never liked thrill rides at all. Not even the Iron Dragon, which doesn't even exist anymore. So she's the one that just want to walk around and eat. <laughs> right. <laughs> my daughter uh, does ne never has written thrill rides. <laughs> Wow. In your teens, you founded Mark Holloway in the Love Corral. Oh, my goodness. What was your purpose for creating the Love Corral? Oh, my. I don't even know how to answer that. The Love Corral was a community choir that I started when I was 15. Wow. We kept that choir together for 10 years. And it was pretty much, it started with uh, my nieces and nephews mm -hmm. and other kids in the church. I mean, at 15, I was getting us rides, getting the church van, taking us on engagements, <laughs> doing concerts. I think that stemmed from my love of choir music. Born, I was born and raised in the church that I currently pastor. Mm -hmm. uh, just being active in the music department, I started off uh, playing the drums at Peace and Goodwill very, very young. I've heard people say I was four years old, but I think I was more like six or seven. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure. I was very young. I was a drummer at Peace and Goodwill. Not only was I the drummer at Peace and Goodwill, the drums at Peace and Goodwill were mine. They were my Christmas gifts. So every Christmas, we would have a new set of drums because they were mine. And I think it stemmed from that. I started off playing the drums, and in my drum lessons and loving gospel music, you know, I picked up on that three-part harmony. I was always intrigued by that and uh, always had a very high, melodious-type voice. And just being into the singing, doing the music uh, ministry at church. And, hey, I started that choir. It was birthed out of that. And if you ask some of those members about that, they said in a rehearsal, which this is not true. I say they made this up about me. They told me that I made an announcement that this choir was going to become a church. <laughs> and I made the choir a church. That is not true. But I um, did the choir for 10 years. And when I founded New Love Ministries, that was the end of the choir. So we did on the flyer, it was the finale concert on one side and the other side was my installation service to become pastor of New Love Ministries. Which kind so, of leads me to my next question. 
when you founded uh, New Love Ministries in the 90s, what was that experience like birthing your own ministry? And also reading your bio, I read that your father, uh, Melvin Holloway, was a part of the ministry. Talk yeah. about what that was like for you. Uh, you know, it was so different times. Uh, so my church, we founded that church in 1999. I, as I said, I was born and raised in Peace and Goodwill. Uh, my family came to Peace and Goodwill in the 60s. I was born in 73. Our uh, beloved pastor passed away in 1998, and I started my church in 1999, January of 1999. We had a blizzard the day that the church was supposed to open the first Sunday in January, it was so much snow, you couldn't even leave the house. Wow. Uh, and we ended up moving it to the next week. I had so much fun uh, planting that church. Um, my family has always been very supportive of me in ministry. So the church started with about 13 of my family members in my living room on the east side of Detroit. And that grew to maybe about 30 people. So we started, it was just so exciting. You know, I have people out of the choir and could sing in my church. My nephew was Emmanuel Johnson. So that was immediately my minister of music. So it was just so fun starting out. And, um, you know, it caught on. It was a lot of work, but, you know, that's what I do. I was young inexperienced, but I love the Lord. I love the work of the ministry that was always embedded in me. And um, my family that helped me, they had that same work ethic. So we just worked and worked and worked and made ministry happen. And it was actually a lot of fun for maybe like the first five or six years. And then things just got hard. You know, once the economy changed, things got hard. And, you know, ministry is just not an easy thing. You know, and as you uh, start doing real ministry, you start having real problems. You start having real experiences like the people that started with you pass away or tragedies happen. So we experienced a lot of stuff and ministry got hard. But I always had so much support um, from co-laborers in the gospel, uh, from my, you know, mentors, always had a lot of support. And it was a lot of fun. And um, some think that I rescued Peace and Goodwill when I came back home to Peace and Goodwill. But in many ways, Peace and Goodwill kind of rescued me because, um, you know, again, ministry just became hard. Never saw the numbers that we really wanted to see. In 10 years, we grew the ministry uh, at its peak, like 125 members on record. But you already know that's a very small number as far as weekly attendance. So it was very hard, upkeep of buildings and all this different kind of stuff. So when Peace and Goodwill, uh, when I came back to Peace and Goodwill, it was like a relief for everybody. Thank God Mark is back home. And uh, we just made it do what it do. And the rest is history. So you came back to Goodwill in 2009? 2009, yes. Was that a full circuit moment for you? Like It was. The drummer to being the pastor? It seems like drummer and pastor. But if you've ever been the member of a small church, you do everything. You know, you have to lead devotion, run the pulpit, direct the choir. My pastor would get, because uh, he was not in very good health toward the end, 
And he would get in the microphone and say, I feel so bad I couldn't even say it to his face, but Reverend Holloway is going to have to preach today. So I really didn't go from drummer to pastor. I went from drummer to usher to choir director to junior deacon to associate minister uh, to whatever else my pastor needed, uh, and then to pastor. <laughs> wow. Yeah. You know, we're, we're seeing a season now where uh, a lot of the generals of the gospel God is calling home. Yes. Uh, and it's an interesting time for the church because we're seeing a new generation of pastors come on the scene. Uh, yes. Even my, my church where I've been for uh, 46 years, 47 years, my pastor passed last year. We elected his son recently to take over the church. Okay. As you're seeing these transitional times, I mean, you've lived through it at your church. As you're seeing this transitional time, what are some of your thoughts on what your generation is able to bring to the table as we're transitioning into some of these uh, changing of guards? You know, this is this is a pivotal moment. And this really, from what I've seen in my time in ministry, this is the best season for ministry in my lifetime right now is the best season. And the reason I say that, uh, you know, we may not see the largest numbers that we've seen historically, but with where God has brought us as far as education, um, where God has brought us as far as resources, mm -hmm. what we have access to, the internet, uh, a platform for creativity, our evangelistic arm right now should be the strongest it's ever been in history we should maximize and make the most of this moment. Transition is never easy. Transitioning from previous leadership to new leadership is not easy. But if we can celebrate it, promote it, and support it, God honors that, and he would do amazing things in our midst. I think what sometimes uh, change in ministry as change in everything, what makes it so difficult is because it's change. It's not what we're used to. And when I read the Bible, Jesus didn't present what we were used to or what they were used to at that time. It's supposed to be different. It shouldn't be the same as the previous. It should be on another level. Jesus said, believe on me and my works and greater things shall ye do. And we can't do greater things if we're trying to repeat what we did the last 20 years for the next 20 years. So this is a great, great season. Uh, I have many, many pastors that uh, I mentor, encourage, and pastor. And I just try to encourage everyone to be authentic, be themselves, and watch God provide the increase. And I've seen it uh, in my own ministry. I, I, I have effective principles. I don't have a cure-all. I can't give you three steps to dynamic ministry, but I have uh, seen enough to know what not to do. And I, I have a close enough relationship with God to be led by God where I can keep a nice balance of creativity, innovation, authenticity, and present God's word the best to the best of your ability, the way God wants you to present it. And when you do that, God will breathe on it. And when God breathes on it, watch out. And that's the season I feel like we're in right now. You know, you, I think you bring up an interesting point because 
we're dealing with um, an educated generation. Yes. Uh, we're dealing with a, a generation like I, I'm a baby boomer. The baby boomers, we were, you tell me what to do, I do it. Mm-hmm. But this generation wa- wants to know the reason why. Mm-hmm. Why should I follow Christ? Why should I do this? Why should I do that? When you're encountering a generation that's questioning God, how do you approach that generation in how to follow God? Right. You know, and the the approach, the approach uh, is pretty much the same. And mm-hmm. I know people feel like, no, the approach is not the same. The language might be different, but the approach is the same. If you, a person that does not believe in God, you minister to that person uh, this way you would minister to somebody that doesn't believe in God. If a person needs proof or they need a reason, we minister to them. And, you know, not trying to label people, but if you're unsaved, you're unsaved. If you're a non-believer, you're a non-believer. So at that point, as I'm ministering, I already know I've got to do more showing than I do talking. Right. You're going to know that you need God because of uh, the examples that you see in me or how I dealt with different situations in my life. And that's how we have to uh, minister to people. I don't uh, preach uh, uh, damnation or try to scare people into salvation, but the reality is it's one of two places. And that and that's where the rubber meets the road. And that doesn't change. It doesn't matter what, if you're Generation X, Millennial, or Generation Y. It does not matter. The gospel is the gospel. There's one way to God, and that's by way of Jesus Christ. And we will never back down from that. And that message is either accepted or rejected. And from my standpoint, I would recommend you accept it now because in the end, hallelujah, It's not going to be about how much overtime you had, how much money you made, but did you make the Lord Jesus Christ your personal Savior? And this is how we minister. We minister uh, uh, with everything that we have. I give it everything I have. I pour as much as I can pour into ministry. And just as the Apostle Paul, I might not be able to save the whole world, but in hopes that I can save some, oh my That'll be all right with me. And I'm trying to save everybody I come in contact with, but I know everybody can't get with what I do or what my delivery method is or all of that. Uh, You might not like church at all. This ain't the first generation that didn't like church. And every generation is unique in their own way. And I just approach uniqueness in that way. Maybe the approach is different, but that gospel don't change. It don't change. Kind of like fried chicken. (laughs) <laughs> we've been frying chicken the same way for years you may change a few of the seasonings on it but it's i'm gonna still... have to preach that i'm gonna have to preach that <laughs> my, i'm gonna have to preach that i love it my wife used to say be careful what you see around a preacher because you'll turn it into a sermon <laughs> listen listen yeah so the yeah. gospel is the gospel and i just happen to love it thank you jesus in the middle of the pandemic you led the congregation in purchasing a multi-million dollar campus. Yes. And within one year, the church was paid for. Yes. There's churches that take years to pay off their building. Yes. How were you able to encourage the people to give in order to accomplish that? You know, 
This that's a loaded question uh, because I didn't do it. God did it all. Mm-hmm. I was just a conduit that God used. Uh, and what looks like it was fast and happened overnight, it took 10 years. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm not sure if you're familiar with the story, and I'll give the condensed version of the story. People bring me into conferences just to tell the story of uh, moving into this facility. But uh, God spoke to me in 2010. He led me over to, I'm in my office, by the way. He led me uh, to the church. I was on my way to choir rehearsal one Saturday morning. Uh, we had a 12 o'clock rehearsal. And as I was getting off the freeway, I literally heard the Holy Spirit say, don't turn, go straight. I thought he was trying to avoid something. So uh, Order My Steps was playing on the radio and I'm worshiping it and on a different level, almost as though I never heard the song. I was all emotional. I had butterflies in my stomach. I had tears running down my face. I said, Lord, are you trying to tell me something? So I didn't turn in the direction of our old church, but I kept straight as the Holy Spirit directed me and nothing happened. I'm like, okay, what am I doing? I said, you know what? Let me drive around the block and I'm going to try this again. I drove around the block. I got to the stop sign. That same voice said to me, look up. Now, uh, Carl, this is a real life story. This I'm not figuratively speaking. I did not dream this. This is documented. I look up and that same voice said to me, that's peace and goodwill. Wow. And I'm like, wow. So I'm going through all these emotions. So unlike what I, my character would tend to do now, well, before then, it's something like that you just keep to yourself. And maybe when the day come, you tell somebody. The Lord led me totally in a different direction. When I got to choir rehearsal, I came in there disheveled emotions on 10. And I said, guys, you will not believe what just happened to me. And I told the choir musician, everybody there, we started worshiping. We started praising God. We was crying, and but we didn't know what to do with this information. So when everything got quiet, one of the members said, well, pastor, what are we going to do? And I didn't have an answer. I did not know. Hmm. So that was in 2010. Uh, the, the property ended up, it was a Catholic church that was open at that time. Two years later, my assistant pastor now, who was just a member of the church then, he called me another Saturday morning two years later and said, Pastor, um, did you see the free press today? I said, no. He said, the church that God spoke to you about is getting ready to close. It's in the newspaper. So I got excited. I said, okay, God, you're really moving. Long story short, which is impossible, the church ended up uh, going for sale, multiple million dollars. I did not have a dime. Didn't know what we were going to do. This company came out of Chicago, bought the school, bought the church, multiple millions of dollars, sold it up so fast. No other church got a chance to buy it or do anything. Just the craziest thing. So after they bought the church, I was able to get in touch with the owner. The owner, I was away at a conference. The owner answered the phone and that the call was transferred to him. He answered the phone. I know who you are and I know what you want, but I don't want to waste your time. He said, I will never sell you that building. That's what the owner told me. That was in 2012. That entire time, Pastor, I never stopped believing God. The church, we had so many ups and downs. We outgrew our old church years ago and we needed parking. We needed all the things that we have now, we needed. I used to come over here and pray. 
And when checking in came out on Facebook, I used to check in. The memories come up, up now from 2010, 2011, 2012, because I would come over here and pray. The members knew I would come over here and pray. We had evangelist Renee Murray. She came and preached for us in 2014. And I've uh, prophet, she's, I think she might be prophetess now, uh, but evangelist Renee Murray, she came and preached and I shared this story with her. And she ministered to me. She anointed me uh, and prayed. And she she assured me that God said this is going to come to pass. This was 2014. And I did not realize that she sent me a message on Facebook and told me that after she preached at our church, she came over to the new campus where we are now. She prayed outside, walked around the building and believed God. 2014. Bam, 2020 comes. The building is back for sale. It went up for auction. Peace and Goodwill won the auction. And the keys were put in my hand November the 30th of 2020, 10 years after God spoke that word. Wow. And we thought that was a shout. We can see the thousand people. We can see 200 sitting down at banquet tables. We can park 300. We have just under 40,000 square, uh, square foot of building space. We have an admin area. We have the worship center. We have the children's area. You know, God has just been good. And then the property behind the church, uh, there was an additional two acres that nobody bid it on. So when we closed on the church, they just signed over the deed uh, to us. So we dedicated the field behind the two acre field in Harper Woods, Michigan, behind the church. We dedicated that as Rehoboth Field. The Lord has made room. We have all activities, our super fest, our harvest fest, our church picnics, all of this stuff we hold right on campus. And that's not the shout. We thought it was the shout that 10 years, God put the keys in our hand. The shout was 12 months later, we made the last payment on this uh, facility. 12, the church is barely open. December the 13th, of 2021, we paid this building off. Our church is at a net worth of multiple millions of dollars right now. And we're just so elated and grateful to God. And that's the direction our praise goes. And that's where our worship goes. And we, we can never be a silent church. We are a Baptist church, but the atmosphere is is electric. It is a, and I, I, I'm reluctant to say it on social media because we're not a Pentecostal church by denomination, but we understand that God moves in a Pentecostal environment. And that's the atmosphere that we set here. That's the vein that we're moving in, that, that we move in. And the same way God moved and blessed in our church, the way we minister is if God did this for you, this house, he's going to do it for your house. And we believe God on that level because God has shown us so much before our very eyes. And that's the short version of the story. <laughs> One part that I never want to tell this story without is the first congratulatory email that I received when we closed on this building was from that business owner. And I'm not at liberty to say the name. The owner that told me I would never sell you this building was the first congratulations that I received. And the awesome thing about that is he said he would never sell it to me, but God never told me that we were going to buy it or it would be sold to us. He told me it was peace and goodwill. And that's what I went by. And right now, today, I'm in here 
it is Peace and Goodwill Baptist Church. <laughs> I love that. That is isn't that a tremendous awesome story. Testimony. It's all documented, Reverend. This is not a mystical dream. This is not. Uh, this is none of that. This is all literally documented. That that shows that what the scripture said: we walk by faith and not by sight. We walk, and many times the members, because uh, we used to look at other buildings. There were other buildings that were for sale. We were still. It's like, Pastor, why are we looking at this building? And you know what God told you. And I, I was just going through the motions. I was like, we're just going to keep moving until God opens whatever door is going to open. And that's how we did that. And, you know, there, there's ups and downs in there. Uh, when I was elected pastor of Peace and Goodwill, it was with 80-something votes. Um, you know, our membership is almost, it's about 1,400 right now. So we definitely have at growth. We this is not one of those situations where just a couple of people. No, there are hundreds of members and supporters of our church and we we've just the pandemic we were always the opposite of pandemic. Mm. Uh everything increased for us in the pandemic. We have more members now than we had before. You know, everything just increased. It's just God. It's all God. It's nothing you can't brag about it. You just got to praise God for it. It's just God. And we just want to touch as many people as we can. I help as many pastors uh, as I can. You know, I've installed and laid hands on, on many pastors. I have several pastors that call me pastors. Not about title. It's not about big eyes and little use. It's about trying to make the difference. And the pastors who are attached to me, I give them all the tools and everything I have. You know, I have, you know, contacts in high places that helped us make things happen. You know, we were able to uh, bid and win this auction. We had 30 days to close. We did not have the money. We literally started knocking on the doors of banks saying, give us this money. How are you going to ask for this type of money? And the church was not even open. Wow. And God worked that out. And he did that. And if there's a pastor on here that's going through something right now, let me tell you, when God is in it, it becomes a responsibility of God to make it happen for you. And I'm a living witness that God will do that. God will do it. Man, that is so awesome to hear how God worked that out for you, how he brought that, that vision to pass. Now, I'm going to ask you another random question. Okay, go for it. Name a game show you like to be a contestant on. None. Uh, <laughs> I like Family Feud. I like Wheel of Fortune, but I have. I would never want to be a, on a game show. I used to like win, lose, or draw, but I would never. My personality just don't match that. I would never want to be on a game show. I couldn't yeah. handle losing on a platform that large. Oh, that's the real reason. <laughs> that would be the real reason. I would have to, if I'm going to go on TV, it's going to be something that I, I can win at. <laughs> so is there a part of your personality that don't like to lose? Is that oh, yeah. We can't function and lose. We you I, just can't do that. I had a friend. I'm a sell, I, you know, my professionally in corporate America, that side of me was brought up through the ranks of sales. So, you know, we don't take no real easy. One, one of my friends, we had went bowling one night and I refused to bowl because I wasn't doing good at it. So no, I, that would be if, me. That would be if, me. If I can't be the best at it, I won't do it. You yeah, I, I can. So I was just at a bowling event a uh, week before last. And this was my second to worst 
uh, bowling I've ever done. And then when the second game is like, why are you not playing? I'm not winning. So <laughs> why would I play? <laughs> the worst game I've ever bowled. And I hope he's watching. Pastor James Jones of Abundant Life Christians uh, Church. He did a celebrity bowling um, tournament and it was all pastors. And they decided rather than do regular bowling, it was glow in the dark. And I don't know what that glow in the dark did. I don't know what it did to my sight. I could not hit a pin for nothing. And I was very, very upset and irritated. So I quit and just went and bought pizza. <laughs> that is terrible games. We we haven't talked a lot about your kids. Uh, you have two kids. Was it Mark and Aaliyah? Yes. How did having kids impact your life? Having kids that literally it changes everything about your life because while once they come into the world, you know everything in your life it shifts from you to them. Hmm. That was the biggest part. And, and that's for any parent. Once that the child comes in the world, every everything you get, you have to consider the kids. When you're buying a car, is what about the kids? You're buying a house. Well, you can't have that. You can't get this color. You it's everything about the kids. And that's pretty much what life was. I became a father. I was not a young father. Well, I was uh how my son was born in 99. So how old was I? 93. So I was like 26 or 27 years old when I became a parent. So my children now are uh, 23 and 24 years old. They're not kids at all anymore. So my life is my life now. It is not their lives. But while they were children, everything in life was definitely about my kids. Wow. Yeah. Now, you've recently had the opportunity to return to one of your first love, which is music. How does it feel to be doing music with the choir again? I saw you guys at Ribs and Soul Festival earlier this year. Oh, how, yeah. yeah. How does it feel now to be back? You know, you're pastoring, but you're still doing music. the most. Yeah. How, how's that? How's that feeling for you? It's fun. It is such a great group of people. I love my church. I love the people in my church. And my choir is just like one of the best groups uh, I've worked with. They're my backbone. I love uh, love them, love their energy and their dedication. And, you know, we're just kind of having fun. Uh, but what happened uh, pre-pandemic, we definitely had a choir. Peace and Goodwill is a choir church. We've never not had a choir. Always a great number of people in the choir. Then the pandemic came and, you know, we lost a lot of members. A lot of our members were displaced. A lot of people didn't come back to church. And we was like, what are we going to do? And we formed a choir. I refused to give the choir of the same name from the old church. I wanted everything new. And I don't know where we were. We nicknamed Peace and Goodwill the Hope House years ago. My niece gave us that nickname. I was preaching at Mount Zion Baptist Church for the church anniversary. And I made a statement uh, while I was preaching. And I said something about a dope house uh, and other type of houses, gambling houses, whore houses. If you ever heard me preach, you get that kind of stuff. And I said, people shouldn't have to go through that stuff in life and then don't have good things or a good experience in church. If you go to the dope house for dope, 
you should be able to find hope at the Hope House. And from that day, uh, 2000, maybe 16, we were at Mount Zion and they started tagging it on Facebook, the Hope House. So we became the Hope House and that's where the name Hope City uh, was birthed out of. Hashtag Hope City. That's the name of the choir. Pastor Mark Holloway and Hope City. Now, you guys are getting ready to do a concert on December the 3rd. We are so excited. December the 3rd, 2023 at 6.30 p.m. The red carpet starts. 20955 Bormu Street in Harper Woods, Michigan. The great Peace and Goodwill Baptist Church. It is called A Night of Hope. We have adopted families in our church that we're going to help them out for the holidays. And uh, the tickets for this event is $25, $35 VIP. The special guest is Jesus Christ himself. He will be in the room and we're going to bless some families that are in need. And what, what makes this so special to me, Brother Carl, is that these are not random people. It's people who are serving in the church and needs that we've identified. And we're going to be a blessing. We're coming back and we're going to do it in grand fashion. It's not going to be a long concert, but it's going to be good. There's no way, uh, I can't tell you that uh, the concert is worth $35 or it's worth $25 because it's worth a million dollars. The work that we're putting into it and the, the hope that we're giving these families is priceless. We're going to have a grand time. There'll be a photographer for the red carpet. We're having a reception that everybody's invited to. We'll have refreshments. We're going to give you the roll out the red carpet and give you the Hope House experience. And then we're going to pull out our tambourines and washboards and we're going to stump these marble floors and we're going to have some church. The choir is marching in. We're singing something from uh, different eras of gospel music, and we're going to have church. If you've ever been in a service here or in a service that i got something to do with, we're going to have church. And I'm not one of those non-worshiping, non-praisers pastors. If you go and look at the, you're going to see me praise. There's a tambourine by my chair in the pulpit. Because <laughs> at any moment, when Alex Goss hit a certain key and Eric Joe do something on them drums, we're going to shout and give God the praise. And I assure you, it's going down December the 3rd. And I want everybody to get some tickets, come out. Don't go to heaven until you had church at Peace and Goodwill. I'm telling you, don't do that. Don't do it. Pastor, it has been such a pleasure talking to you tonight. How can people follow you on social media? Oh, I'm uh, Mark C. Holloway. They make you take the pat. Once you get the blue check, they you can't have pastor on it. Whatever is on your ID, I am Mark C. Holloway on Facebook. I am Pastor Mark Holloway on Instagram. You can follow the group at Pastor Mark Holloway and Hope City. And you can go to the Peace and Goodwill public page, Peace and Goodwill uh, Baptist Church. That's on Facebook. Our website is www.peaceandgoodwill.org. You can go to the top right-hand corner, hit the donate button, and you can sow into this ministry. If you go to my Facebook page or the Hope City page, we have a QR code to purchase the tickets. It goes right to our cash app, and you can purchase your ticket, and we will have your ticket at the door for you, or you can come and pick it up between now and the day of the concert. Well, again, it's been such an honor speaking with you. As we wrap up, speak to someone who needs hope. 
you talked about Hope's City and a house of hope, especially as we're entering into this holiday season, <laughs> someone that may be stressing out about the holidays, stressing out about being alone for the holiday, talk about the hope that they can find in Christ. You know, this, this is our reality, and we all have uh, different types of struggles. The enemy's job is to isolate us and make us think we're the only one. It makes us think we're by ourselves. The reality is we're never by ourselves. Once we invite Jesus, the Lord Jesus, into our lives, we don't give him a certain part. We don't just give him, believe him for finances. We don't just believe him to feed and clothe us, but we believe God. We serve him with our soul. We believe God for everything. If you are struggling, and feel like you are alone, express yourself to God. I'm a living witness that God will meet you right where you are. Get out of the environment that makes you feel like you're by yourself. Get in an environment where the spirit of God is moving and lives are changed. Make that the nucleus of your life and believe by faith as I stand in faith with you that all things work together for good to them who love God. And the way we love God is we don't put God number one, something else number two, something else number three. No, God is everything. I don't teach that. God is the nucleus and everything in my life revolves around him and his word. And once those things line up, God will take us from beauty to ashes. And the very things that you thought you had to have to be made whole, the reality is you don't need things. All you need is him. He don't have to change your job, your economic situation. He doesn't have to change your neighborhood. He doesn't have to change your income. He doesn't have to change the people in your life. All he needs is to for you to make him your everything. And once God becomes our everything, the order of God will take over in our lives and everything will fall into place. That is the message that I believe wholeheartedly by faith. And if you don't believe me, put it to the test. <laughs> wow. Awesome. Thank you again, Pastor Mark C. Holloway. Thanks for having me. Oh, man, my pleasure. The concert is Sunday, December 3rd. Uh, again, go to Pastor Holloway's uh, social media to get tickets, stop by the church. As we wrap up, again, I want to remind everybody to work like you don't need the money, love like you've never been hurt, and dance like no one's watching you. God bless until we meet again. Thank you. God bless you. The Carl B. Phillips Show. Thank you for listening to The Carl B. Phillips Show. For more information, go to carlbphillips.com. The Carl B. Phillips Show. Follow Carl B. Phillips on Instagram so we can stay in contact with each other.